What is up today's Today community? Hope y'all are having a phenomenal, phenomenal day. My name is Colton Trout, the founder and CEO of the Today's Today uh, coaching um, community movement. You know, I'm like kind of in this shifting transition right now of what I really want the Today's Today group to be. Uh, in the past, it's been this uh, movement, it's been this community that has just taken the phrase Today's Today and radically changed it uh, or implemented it into their lives. Um, but we're kind of playing around with that a little bit. So excuse the intro being a little different today. Um, but y'all, we are in the middle of a series where we are interviewing high-level achievers, high-level individuals that are out there in the world changing lives uh, and creating an impact. And this podcast is going to be no different. We're going to have an amazing conversation. We've got an amazing guest with us uh, who is actually a um, fellow public speaker as I am. So I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but we're super excited to have Scott on. Uh, Scott, why don't you go on and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate uh, being on the show first and foremost. So everyone, I am Scott. If you're watching this, hearing this, whatever it might be, uh, I appreciate you listening. This is pretty amazing. Love to be here. Uh, yeah. So I am also the host of the Power of Progress podcast, where we kind of combine mindset and fitness together and what holds people back from achieving kind of the the body they want of their dreams and things like that. But at the same time, I also am a speaker on all things fitness and nutrition, trying to get people out of the funks that they're in and really just making them feel better about themselves and get them on the track because so many people just kind of, you know, they don't know what they want to do and I kind of push them that right direction. I also have a website where you can reach me at scottspeaksfitness.com. And really the biggest thing for me is, you know, if you're looking for some inspiration, looking for some motivation, you know, I've been a personal trainer and a coach and nutrition and a behavior change specialist, all those certifications you got for like a decade now. And so I, I you know, I've trained over hundred, you know, hundreds of clients at this point and I've seen it all. And if you're looking for someone to kind of kickstart your fitness journey, uh, feel free to reach out. Or if you have any questions about things like, and I know you talk about this, but consistency, mindset, momentum, and building progress towards your goal. Love to have the conversation. Uh, Instagram, you know, is uh, I think there's going to be show notes or whatever, but Scott Freeman 24. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm all about it, man, just providing value to you guys and hopefully that you guys take something away from this today. Yeah, now I'm super excited to have you on. And I love the the fitness and the mindset behind it. And I want you to define for the listeners real quick, and this wasn't something that we kind of talked about before this, but can you define what a funk is for people? Because like we all have them, right? And yeah, right. we all know when we're in a funk, but I don't think people really define what a funk is. Uh, and I think defining it can actually help more people recognize when they are in a funk uh, and in order to actually get out of it. So can you define that real quick? Yeah. So the easiest example, and I, I'm it's a very reductive example, but it makes a lot of sense to people, is basically when you should be going to do something, you're not. And instead, you're eating Cheetos on the couch watching Netflix. That's a funk. So when you know you should be, and I'm, and I'm guilty of it too. I'm like my Cheetos know, aren't showing, are they? <laughs> <laughs> like when, when you are doing, you know you should do something and you just, you're not doing it because it's easier not to, that's a funk. And because you know, there's there's days where it's like, for some reason, you, you don't even need coffee. You need, you're just like, you're dialed in. And then some days, dude, there is, I don't want to do anything. And then when you let those days last, you know, for day in and day out for weeks or months, whatever it might be, that is what I would consider a funk when you, when there's something itchy at you, but it's not itching enough for you to actually start moving in the right direction, but you feel bad about it. And that, that's what it is. We all feel bad after a whole bucket of Cheetos and watching three hours of, you know, the office or game of Thrones or something like you're not feeling great after that. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, that's very true. And y'all, I think it's really important to understand too, that when you recognize that you're in a funk, understand that you have the two options. You could remain in the funk or, and do nothing about it, or you can really do something about it, which is choosing to be in there, or you can choose to remove yourself from the funk. But that funk is a red flag and an indicator that you're about to shift in your consistency and you're about to shift in your habits. And that's really important to recognize because that's like that key indicator that like um, that like, hey, something's about to drastically change in my life. And I don't do I want that change? Do I not want that change? Um, so thanks for defining that funk because it's important to, to be able to really focus on. that. Um, OK, so let's talk a little bit about mindset, you know, um, let's talk about some goals. You know, I feel like we're getting towards the end of 2023, right? 2024 is right around the corner. Uh, people should start kind of working on their projections for 2024, uh, not just for business, but for personal as well, you know, especially in their fitness and like, all right, what do I want to create in 2024? We don't want to wait till it's, you know, January one, everybody's doing their New Year's resolutions. We want to start working on it now. Um, but why do people, in your opinion, uh, typically fail at their goals? Uh, and you could do this in two parts too, right? Like the mindset uh, and on the fitness side. Yeah. So I think the disclaimer I would put is that even if I use like a fitness example, I think the principles at play can be used in almost any industry that you're going to be in. It's all about taking a principled approach to it. So just because I say a fitness example doesn't mean you can't use it for real estate or for building a business or for whatever it might be. Like you can use the same principles, uh, but I happen to be the expert in fitness. So that's why I kind of go. So I would say there, there's so many reasons why people fail at their goals. I, I just, but you said the top two one that sticks out, so Forbes did a study, uh, they came out with some information a couple of years ago with the number one reason people failed their goals. And the reason they came up with was that people were not specific enough in what they wanted. And what that means to me was, you know, most people are, I want to lose weight. I want to make more money. I want to do X. And it's kind of this non-quantifiable number with no timetable, you know, no understanding of the work that it's going to take. Was it even relevant to their lives and doesn't even doesn't even matter? Do you actually even want to achieve this? And so specificity was the number one thing that we saw, especially in fitness, that if you don't do it right, you're not going to do it. It's great for two weeks. Like You can do anything for two weeks. You can go work harder at work. You can go to the gym for two weeks. But after two weeks is up, it, it's if it's not sunk in of what you're trying to do and you're not uh, specific in what you want to do, you're most likely going to fall back into very comfortable habits. So I would say specificity is probably the number one thing that I would that I have seen the most of my clients. And then the second thing that's probably right there, and it, it might be more of an umbrella term, but I would probably say the fear of failure is I, I, I got to be one of the biggest reasons why people fail at their goals. Because, I mean, none of us like to be judged, right? Like none of us want to be judged. And we're constantly worried about how we look to other people, what other people think about us. And it can be debilitating. And so why you have this goal, you feel good. Let's say you're at home, right? By yourself, you have this goal and you're by, and you're by yourself. So you're like, okay, I want to do this. You write it down, you're feeling good. But then you leave your shell, you leave, you go somewhere else. And now there's other people around watching you. You didn't realize that the big dude at the gym was going to be staring at you when you try and do something. Like your friends are like, yo, like they're not supportive. Like, oh, why do you want to lose 20 pounds, man? Like why, why, and the, whatever it might be. People do that. And then because you're not in this homeostasis, you're feeling a little vulnerable. And as you feel this vulnerability, 
it induces this fear of, oh my gosh, like what if I, I told everyone what I want to do? What if I fail? What happens? Are they going to judge me? Are they not going to be my friend anymore? And you kind of go to this like worst case scenario that we all know is not going to happen, but it's very emotional and it's very difficult to outthink the emotional fear that we have. And so I would, I would argue those would be two of the top things that people tend to overlook when they're, when they set a goal for themselves. Yeah. Now, I definitely think that's spot on. And something to note, too, with the fear of failure is everything that you just described as well within that can almost be related back to impression management. Mm, yes. So impression management, for those that aren't aware, is basically you are doing XYZ actions because you are trying to manage the impression that others have about you. So when we have this fear of failure, honestly, it's not even really that we're going to fail. It's that somebody's going to see us failing and we, we want to belong that we have to be like perfect. We have to be all put together. We have to have everything figured out, right? We can't show any sign of a quote unquote weakness. Uh, and so all of that is really just impression management. And this is something that I speak, uh, speak on with my keynotes is how do we create like a healthy impression management mindset? And it's like, the first thing is like you said, specific, specific specificity, uh, I can't even say that word, y'all. You got to be really specific, okay? Uh, <laughs> you got to be specific um, with your purpose, vision, and character for your own life, right? Because when you know those three things, you can make decisions a lot easier. But then when you know those three things, you can start judging the actions that you're currently taking or wanting to take along those, which then makes decision-making just really easy in general. But when you know those things, if somebody isn't looking at your purpose, vision, and character or are not directly... Um, if they're not being able to impact it, if they're not able to see it, um, then I mean, like the impression management just kind of becomes like a non-issue. It's like, oh, well, you know, it's like the, if they don't pay your bills, why are you worried about what they think about? It's like, okay, well, if they can't see your, your purpose, vision, and character, and they're not impacting your purpose, vision, and character, then why do you really care why do you, about what they see? Right? Don't give main character energy to the side character in your story. Why are you caring so much about what that person thinks over there when they're not involved in your life? You don't even know who they are, and yet you're giving all this energy away to them when you really shouldn't be. I love the, like, when I first started podcasting, I think this is like a very, like, people are trying to start their own business or something. Like, I was like, okay, I need to figure this out. I recorded no less than 50 shows, 50 podcasts, all about, a minor short audio, like, you know, 10 minutes, whatever. And I did not release a single one for four months. I deleted every single one of those shows because, and it was because, oh, because it wasn't perfect, because it wasn't good enough. The reality of the situation is it's impression management. I was so nervous of what other people would say about it because what if they thought it wasn't good? What if they didn't like it? What if I didn't get any followers? What if this happened? And then it's like, that. that's why do I care about what other people think about this if it's something I want to do? I think that's a great way to put it is impression management. When you do those things, that it becomes a non-issue and you can kind of move past that and get to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. Remember too, y'all, when you're in alignment with your PVC, that purpose, vision, and character, everything becomes really easy. Like posting something or like, I don't really know. Well, it's in alignment with my PVC. Okay, cool. It becomes really easy. You're also a lot more energetic around the things that you're creating when you've removed the unhealthy impression management, you've gotten very specific about your goals, timeframes, all of that. And you've gotten really specific about your PVC, your purpose, vision, and character. Uh, so take that into note too, because um, I love it. Like the number, there's 92% of people that struggle with consistently achieving their goals. 
And it's like 92% of everybody that we come in contact with is always struggling to actually achieve what they set out to achieve or what they said that they were going to achieve. So no two, uh, you're in it just like the rest of us. <laughs> we all yeah. achieve our goals that we've set out. Um, but, but yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, it's not, it's, I don't think anyone has like the magic, you know, you know, you see people who are like, oh my gosh, everything's so great. I'm like, you, I want to see what the struggle was like first. I want to see what happened because of course there's difference between the real and the real and the, you know, I mean by real is like real life and the real is the, you know, the Instagram reel that we see. That's so amazing. That's so great. That's been edited. Like, but everyone goes through their own struggle. And I think accepting that as also part of the journey is something people don't tend to do for some reason. Like if you're trying to, again, lose weight, we'll use, for example, and you don't anticipate there being a hard challenge along the way that's going to set you back, then I would argue you haven't set a specific enough goal, a realistic goal, because then you would have accounted for that 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 hardship that would have happened. So if you're trying to start a business and you might have zero dollars in your bank account, you should have accounted for that when you did this, because that's that's going to be part of the journey. For I mean, look at all these people who are so fa like just ridiculously famous. Like they all tell us how close they were to bankruptcy and they didn't plan for it. And so like, what's the difference? Like you got to plan for this kind of stuff and uh, at least mentally plan. I'm not saying physically plan for, it, but I mean mentally plan for the setbacks and that way you might be able to stay more consistent when those setbacks kick you in the face. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so on that note, you know, when you come up to those setbacks, it's like an obstacle, right? Like how would you suggest for somebody to overcome or what advice would you give to people that are trying to overcome obstacles? It's a great question. And there's no, again, I you know this is what works for me. I'm not sure, you know, obviously everyone has their own way of doing things. I think something I do that I really uh, grew into. I I sucked at this for so many years. Is I you know when I came out of college, right? Like, what do you, I'm a personal trainer, so just work hard, eat healthy, and you're gonna be in amazing shape. And what, what, why can't you do it? Why can't you? It's almost the Michael Jordan effect. Uh, not that I'm Michael Jordan, but like I was a very disciplined person, and I didn't realize that other people didn't have this discipline. They have a lot of things going on, and so what I found to be very beneficial was when I come up to an obstacle. You know, and you said this at the very beginning of like, you have two choices, like you can push forward or just fall through basically. And I think when you self-reflect, so number one, self-reflecting on what's actually happening, like break down the obstacle in your path. Okay. Is it that actually, you know, what is the actual issue going on? And when you can actually identify it, you can break down to its smallest components and then start taking action steps towards those small components. So let's just say that the obstacle is, um, you know, your kids are waking you up and you can't get a good night's sleep to go to the gym. Okay, well then you iron out, how do I overcome this particular obstacle and break down those specific things that are causing in my way versus getting angry, getting emotional and saying, well, I don't have time, sorry, see you later. And so I think when you break down something to its smallest components, it makes it a lot more manageable. And then you can attack it with a more realistic sense of what you're trying to attack. Because most of us see obstacles as like a big monster, but the reality is if you if you tweak a couple things here and there, you're most likely able to overcome it. So for example, what very direct example to me, it's like, man, like when I first started podcasting, why am I not getting coaching clients? I've been a trainer for eight years at that point, seven years at that point. I've trained hundreds of people. I'm I know I'm qualified to train people. Why, when it comes to podcasting, can I not get a client from there? And then, because I'm doing the whole coaching virtual thing now. And then I talk to someone like, dude, do this, guarantee. I go, okay, but what are you talking about? Like, oh, here's what's happening. No, no, no. So, no, break it down. What, what can you do to get more clients? How about you ask people on the podcast to sign up for, for coaching? And I'm like, that's not going to work. That's next thing you know, 
I start doing that. And then what do you know? I start seeing more people just, hey, want to have a conversation. And then maybe there's, there's an opportunity to work together. It was such a simple problem and an obstacle that I thought was this monumental. Maybe I had to switch all the editing. I have to do all of these different things. I have to move this. My whole coaching program needs to change versus, or you can say like four words, like if interested, call here or, you know, or contact me here. And I think when you break it down, it's a lot more obvious because you're in the weeds, but you need to look at it from a macro perspective to see what's actually going on. Yeah, absolutely. It's really kind of funny that you mentioned all of that. It, it, my business coaching is focused around change management. Uh, it's taking those big corporate concepts on why they grow and scale so uh, rapidly and why they're so sustainable uh, and actually implementing that more so on the entrepreneurship side. So like the small mm -hmm. teams, the solo entrepreneurs, the uh, the entrepreneur that only has like an assistant, maybe like one or two employees, or they have like a small shop or something like that, and they really want to scale and grow. Um, but it's usually just a couple of tweaks that we got to make. They're, they're not these big, massive changes. Now, the big, massive changes will come because once we make those few small tweaks, we then have a plethora of opportunities that get thrown our way. And then we have to create, you know, some more change there because we're like, hey, now we want to take these opportunities. How do we grow on that? But there's usually just a few changes that have to be made. One of those biggest changes that I've seen for businesses is the understanding the obstacle of income, like coming in and how do we do that consistently? But by not understanding what income is and how it's actually generated inside of their business. So it's like, hey, if I want a dollar, how do I actually go get a dollar, right? Like what's the thing that happens to make a dollar go from a, a client's account to my account, right? Once that's identified, we label it as what's called a DIPA, a uh, income or a daily income producing activity, right? That's mm, yeah, the one to make around it. And then we ask that question, like how do we turn this income action, right? This moving money from one account to another or to our account how do we start doing that more consistently? How do we start doing that on a daily basis? And then it's like, how do I do it on yeah. an hourly basis? Shit. And then how, how do you scale it up? It? How do I automate it? Right. So, yeah. Then you scale it up too. It's like, once you know how to make $1, then why can't you make 10? Why can't you make a hundred? Why can't you make a thousand? Like, why can't, like, why can't you? And the question is, you know, what is the difference between making a dollar and a thousand dollars? And then you have to learn that strategy behind it. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But like I said, just a little tweet. Little. Y'all, y'all are right there. If you're listening to this podcast, y'all are right there. Um, so if you want more tweaks and more changes, make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and go leave a five-star review if you are enjoying this podcast uh, or you're getting some value of it. But we still got more to talk about, so make sure to stick around. Um, so on that note, what are what would you say are like three keys to kind of achieving goals? Three keys to achieving goals. Okay, so this is great. Love it. So I think the first thing is I think I mentioned it earlier, specific. You ha you got to iron out what the specific goal is going to be. You have to quantify it, understand the timetable, understand the importance to you. I think it's number one is, is figure out what you want to do. Number two is I'm going to say, uh, what's your reason why? Why do you want this goal? And I think people miss this. They think, oh, I, because let's say losing weight again, this example, because uh, I want to be healthier. Not a good reason why. It's a good inherent reason, but I want you to literally take out a piece of paper right now and write out as many reasons why that you want to do X. So if you want to do start your own business, whatever it might be, why? And get visceral. I mean, if you are not emotional about your reason why, then you shouldn't do it. 
If it's, I want to build a business to only become rich, if you can't come up with 20 other reasons, you're going to fail. Guaranteed. It's, it's just not going to happen. If you want to lose weight for only one reason, it's not going to work. So you need to be able to come up with a list of visceral reasons why. And by the way, no reason is negative. Like For example, like if you want to just, because I want people to double take me at the beach and have a six pack. Fine. Great. I, I, that means something to you. Go Later more. <laughs> yeah. No, I have no issue. But you, ha you have to be emotional. So understanding your why is extraordinarily important. It's probably almost like the most misstep is like you need to get that done. Because when you're emotional, that's what keeps you going in the long run. When it's 5 a.m., snowy, you barely slept, you have to start your car, and you, you, know, you have to walk from your car to do whatever it is. Like No one wants to do anything at that point. But your reason why gets you to go. Your reason why helps you to do it. And then the third thing... Uh, would probably be breaking down the steps into its smallest components. So if you have trouble with the idea of, okay, I have to, you know, I have to go to the gym. What's the smallest possible step from where you are now to where you need to go? And it's not going to the gym. It's, okay, I'm going to set my alarm, right? Or it's, I'm going to look at a gym membership close by. I'm going to time out a walk. I'm going to put my clothes out the night before. What's the next smallest action you can take? And then from there, you build that consistency. And from there, you can kind of create this momentum of progress over time. So I would say the umbrella effect. I think there's obviously more we can talk about and there's more in there. But I think those would be the three main things. If someone's trying to achieve something, I would break those down first. And then uh, I'd go from there to see kind of how we can adapt those and move forward. Yeah, absolutely. I want to make one little note for the, you know, asking why. Like, I think you nailed it on the head with, you got to be emotional about it. Um, the way that you do that is you keep asking why until you just physically cannot answer that question anymore. No. Why are you going to lose weight? Like, exactly. It's like, why? Well, it won't be healthier. Why? why? Exactly. And that, and like, just to, and like, oh, because, well, my grandma, my grandma died when I was 10 years old and I want to be there for my kids and my, like, boom, like, oh my gosh, like now you have a visceral reason why that you didn't even think about. And I love that. Yeah. So sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I just think that's like a really good, like practical thing to know. Cause sometimes, you know, we talk about, our why. And there's a, that book, the starting with why, uh, phenomenal book, if you haven't read it already, but we don't know the practicality of how to do that. Right. I mean, it's not taught in schools. People don't usually talk about it. They just tell you, Oh, you got to start with why you got to like, you got to have your reason why. And it's like, okay, like, cool. How do I make that? And I think you nailed it on the head is like, it needs to be emotional and you just got to keep asking yourself that question. So really want to make sure to highlight that. And then breaking down those steps, you know, um, I teach this system called vision casting. Uh, and when I'm working with a one-on-one -on -one client, this process probably takes the bulk of the first three weeks for us to really break down for a business. So spending three weeks, I, I teach the 10 steps to mastering six figures and the 10 steps to mastering multiple six figures, uh, depending on whether they're solo entrepreneur or a team or a corporation or a business. And those first three weeks, whether it's the individual or it's a corporation, we spend on vision casting and it's breaking down those steps. It's taking that big audacious goal that we know that we really want to achieve and it would be like so badass and so cool if we actually did it and then breaking it down into the very specific, almost daily actions that we could be taking to actually go achieve that goal. Uh, and so that is absolutely important, but people don't break it down enough. Like you said, it's like, if you need to put your clothes out the day before, put your clothes out the day before, right? If you need to put your keys closer to the door, put your keys closer to the door. 
right? It's like these steps, I don't think people realize how small they can get, but how big of an impact they can have if they were just being more specific about them or just more aware of them in general. So I also want to highlight on that because great, great point. Um, this is something else that we kind of talked about, and I am I'm honestly really, really excited about this one. Uh, going from emotional to logical. I think that is something that uh, I know my generation, uh, and I think you're a part of that same generation too. I've never, <laughs> I don't know, right? Um, I don't know how old you are. Yeah, you're right. I know it's, it's that question. I have some people that have been on the podcast and they're like 50s and 60s. So, like, I have to say, it's like my generation is like, we're an emotional generation and we've experienced a massive amount, right? Uh, and so there is some understanding on why we're emotional, but people don't talk enough about how do we move away from the emotions and get back to logical. And then like, how do we, how do we do that in, just in general? Uh, so I'd love to know your take on going from emotional to logical. So I, uh, I want to paint a picture first before I sound like a, a broken record as I go with the advice, but the, the idea I get when it comes from emotional to logical. So I want you all to imagine that you are in, you're in a room and there is a gust of wind that just blows everything around you. It's just going, it doesn't hit you, but everything's going around you. So whatever room you're, you see all the crap I have back here, it's all going around books, cars, garbage, sunscreen, golf balls, wrappers. It's all flying. And the wind is on. It's like a tornado. It's, un, it's not stopping. That's emotion, okay, where you can't grab anything, you can't stop it, things are just whooshing past your face and you can't focus on anything. That's how we get when we're emotional. We don't, and the reason it's emotional, right, we don't think logically, we're just thinking things are happening, we gotta move, we gotta do something, fight or flight, let's go, let's go, let's go. We're not thinking logically, that's emotion to me in a, in a way to explain it. How you break it down, okay, what it looks like when you break it down is when the wind stops and everything's just kind of floating there for a second and you can actually pick things out and place them back down, okay, in this imaginary situation, but you can actually touch, you can actually feel it, you can do it. It's not flying past you, you're not dodging things. It's when the picture stops and it's still and you can take things. So that being said is how you break down emotional to logical is I think number one, one of the ways, again, this what works for me, and I think exploring this for you could be beneficial, is self-reflection. I think reflecting on why you feel the way that you feel right now. Again, I know it sounds like a broken record, but you use this in different aspects. So if I'm super angry, I was, I was walking to the gym today, and I was having this like fake argument. You ever have, does anyone else have a fake argument like with my boss or with because I also work full-time somewhere else. Like, I've got to dang like, it. <laughs> I'm walking around and I had like a five-minute fake argument and I'm like, and I had to catch myself. So I stopped. I caught myself, which is step one, self-reflect. You know, why am I having this emotional conversation right now? And I'm worked up. My heart rate's up. I'm sweating. And I'm mad because I had this kind of random fake conversation with myself argument. And I think when you take a step back and ask yourself, okay, what's going on here and you're honest with yourself okay i'm mad because x y and z happened the other day and i'm thinking that this is going to happen and i'm frustrated because x y and z when you're able to do that you're you are breaking down again this kind of goes to step two and three of the last one so not to be repetitive but you're breaking down the emotional monster into very little small parts and then you can see oh that's why when my girlfriend asked me to do this, I blew up on her because I'm actually thinking about X, Y, and Z. So I think the first step is to stop, tell yourself, whoa, I, I, I said, I can, like, why am I thinking this way? Or why do I feel this way? 
and then really take five five minutes, right? If you can, or whatever it might be, 10 seconds, whatever it is, and ask yourself, okay, I'm feeling this way. Why am I feeling this way? And then identify those things. And then, and then step two from that is once you identify why you are feeling that sort of way about whatever the topic is, what's the aligned action that you can take or aligned thing that you can do to say, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. How do I stop this? Well, here are three things I know that can stop it. Now, if you don't know how to do that, that's when you get a coach, right? Like if you don't know how to actually stop it, that's when you get someone to help you. But if you do know how to stop it, so for example, it's, okay, I'm just not going to do this anymore. Or if it's like, um, I'm having this conversation with myself and I'm just flying around, this sucks, stop the picture. Why do I feel this way? Oh, I'm mad because he said this yesterday and this, this, this. Okay, but maybe they felt this way. So I'm going to, next time this happens, I'm going to acknowledge I feel like this, but I'm going to move on because I know that their intention was not to insult me or whatever it might be. And I think when you break down those things, in those two parts and identify those actions, you're able to go from an emotional reaction response, which cannot be logical by nature to, okay, like for example, if you ever had a video that didn't do well, or someone gave you a negative like on a YouTube video, which happens all the time, it's you get so angry about it because you're emotional. But if you break down what that actually means to you, generally speaking, you can be like, okay, that's a, that's no big deal. I can move on because you've thought about it. So that I hope it wasn't too confusing. I went, I went a lot of different places there, but it's a, I want to make sure I gave enough examples to everyone. Yeah, no, I think that was, you did phenomenal. I love the tornado example of like the emotions just kind of like swirling around you. And then when you stop and you're moving towards logical, you're able to like pick those pieces back up and kind of put them in alignment. Uh, something that I want to note too, is like when you're working to then kind of ask yourself that question afterwards, like, what, what do I do next? Like, how do I move on from this thought and getting back into that aligned action, asking a really kind of key question of, does this serve me? and my PVC, that purpose, vision, and character that's clearly defined or not. And we can really even ask that in general when we're like taking note of our thoughts. If we have a thought, we can ask that question. Does this thought actually serve me? Does this opinion of myself or does this opinion of like, let's say it's impression management, right? Does this actually serve me and my PVC or not? Or does this serve my vision? Does this serve my business? Does this serve my future self is my future self going to be thankful for the action that I took on this thought and this emotion? Or is it going to be thankful for me stepping out into a little bit more logical of a step? And what I've found with that, I think people really should hone in on that specific point that you made. And I think it's something I've actually started doing a lot more recently is, and I use, I use it a little differently. I don't like, I don't like to use the term serve me. Um, I like to use the term, uh, you know, what would, you know, and you put in the goal here, what would the 40 pound lighter version of myself do in this scenario? What would the billionaire version of myself do in this scenario? Like what would that, whoever that end person is in this scenario do? And then you, and then you act as if you're that person already. Um, for, I don't know what it is about me. I, I just don't like the whole idea of like the serve, but this it's the same exact thing. So I think if people don't resonate with the serve, it's what would, uh, what would Scott do if he had already, if, you know, what would successful Scott do in this situation? So put down the bag of Cheetos, get off Netflix. All right, I'll go to the gym. And, and like that, that's the idea is if you ask yourself that, you're able to kind of snap that emotional, I, you know, I'm tired. I, I don't have money. I don't have this, I don't have this, I have this. You're able to break that connection real quickly and hopefully get up and go do whatever you're supposed to do. Yeah, absolutely. And so something that I want to make sure that those that are listening are really kind of taking note. Anytime you hear anything from any person, 
uh, remember, you can always take that advice or situation and translate it into your own life. Right. So like what just happened right there, where like I'll probably say is like, does this serve me or not? And that's just because of my personal past. Uh, I've been really bad about self-care. I've been really bad about taking care of myself because I always took care of other people. So I asked myself, like, is this serving me? Is this taking care of me? Um, for, you know, for Scott, it's asking the question is like, hey, for my future self, my future successful self, like, what would he do in this? Right. You're allowed to take something that works for somebody else and translate it into a way that's going to work for you. And a little keynote here, too. And Scott, I know you know this is like, Successful people do that on a regular basis. Yes, they see something. It's like, holy shit, this is super successful in this industry, or this is super successful for this business. I'm gonna translate that. I'm gonna shoplift it, translate it into my business, and then go create success because of it. They're not trying to mimic it. They're trying to translate it into their own business and into their own success. So a lot of times, I'll tell people, it's like, take what resonates, leave the rest, and translate what you can. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so Scott, so in closing, um, I love asking this question, uh, cause I love the advice that kind of comes from it. Uh, and I kind of have an idea of what you're going to say already. Uh, but I'm super excited about it. Um, but I always ask this question, what is one piece of advice that you'd love to give? It's like that one, like anytime somebody just randomly asks you like, Hey, what's a piece of advice? And this first one that comes to mind, but then what is a second piece of advice that is sometimes harder for people to hear? but it's really important for them to hear here because it could be really transformative for them. So you can think back to maybe some of like your past clients and it's like the piece of advice they really needed to hear that really changed um, their projection or their trajectory uh, on their fitness journey. Okay. Uh, okay. So, okay. So the piece of advice I like to give, and there's, there's so many, cause I just love to talk and, and yell at people. No, uh, I would say the piece of advice I like to give is that whenever you're in, I'm building a picture, but like whenever you're in a situation, just understand that you are, whatever situation you're in, like it's it's a test. Like you are built to overcome this situation. So no matter what happens, like it's not the end of the road. Like if you, you know, if you failed at this, fine. Awesome. Keep going. If this sucks, fine. Awesome. Keep going. If this, if this happened. Good. Keep going. I think keep going and just, oh gosh, not to use the Nike phrase, but just go and do it. Just go and do it because nothing ever gets done unless you're the one, like the weights aren't going to lift themselves. You have to go and do it. So I think that is a piece of advice I love to give. Um, and because I would rather, I would rather, well, the one, the one I think people need to hear, so I'll switch it now. The one I think people need to hear is almost twofold. One, if you think, that you have tried a hundred percent realize that you're only at 40%. Yeah. I think that one I stole from David Goggins, I believe was him. Um, right. but I love that piece of advice because people get so mad at you. It's like, you don't understand my life. You don't get this, but I'm like, break it down, man. Like you can do so much more because I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. But I think that, uh, you can do more than you think you're doing. If you think you're doing all you can right now, I can almost guarantee you, I, any coach can find cracks say, I don't think so. You can do more, especially if you're like, oh, I'm not seeing results. And then that goes into the whole kind of just doing a portion of, hey, look, would you rather regret uh, doing something and failing or regret never doing it all and wondering what could have happened? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. You know, for the just do it, I always tell people like, today's the day. Like go fill in the blank. 
it, it's not a like when it's that's a I mean, whole brand is built on that yeah, so. do it but today not tomorrow because you know tomorrow never actually like we never wake up and we're like oh man it's tomorrow this is awesome right and we never wake up and say man it's yesterday this is kind of cool we always say oh it's today like yeah. today is the day that you can go fill in the blank you can go do whatever it is that you set out to go do um so i love the the just i I like that a lot. And just to put on one more like platitude quote, that's great. It's either, I think The Rock said this one or something. It's like, the story is either one day or day one. Mm -hmm. And then and it's a huge shift that you, people could make. Absolutely. Uh, something that I actually have on my phone as well as just a quote that I absolutely loved. It's, while you procrastinate, someone else less qualified than you is creating a bigger impact and making more income. 100%. Especially for the doctor, like y'all. I mean, the amount of times, like I, I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago um, and I was listening to some of the other speakers and I was just like, I mean, nothing towards them, but like, oh, I was bad. Oh, it was so bad. Um, but like, I was just thinking and I was like, man, like I waited years to get on the stage. Like I waited years to go do this type of stuff. And it's like, if these guys are up here doing it right now and getting paid just the same as I am, like, Shit, I should have started a long time ago. It's like the same thing for so many different people. You know, just do it, right? And then day one, or it's one day. So go out there and make it day one. Um, so today's day. But y'all, this has been a phenomenal podcast. Scott, thanks so much for coming on. Um, y'all, all of his links are down in the description below. Go subscribe to his podcast. Um, I think he said you do like short episodes, like 10-minute episodes. Uh, there's a couple longer ones, but those are interviews. So it's awesome. I want to say right now, as somebody that listens to podcasts a lot, I love it when they're shorter. Like when they're like the 10 minute podcast, I'm like, yes, I could listen to a bunch of these. The ones that are like five hours long, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to listen to all of this. Uh, so I absolutely love it. So make sure to go subscribe to that. Go check out his Instagram. Um, and you do online fitness training. From what I understand, it's like, y'all go. If you're looking for a trainer, check them out, man. Um, but Scott, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, Y'all, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Go leave a five-star review. And we're going to be coming back with some more interviews. So make sure to stay tuned and keep checking your Spotify and podcast apps uh, for new episodes coming shortly. But we'll talk to y'all soon.